Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair. And a couple of weeks ago, I had these two people on the show, people who have become friends of mine uh, over the years. In fact, I've known Max for quite a while now. Uh, We've gone back and forth on multiple episodes of Vitality Radio. We always bump into each other at trade shows and have a nice conversation. And one of the things that I love about Max is that he clearly, without any... I can say this without any reservation, loves what he does. Uh, And I love that about him because I love what I do. And so getting someone who's passionate about it like I am on the show is always a wonderful thing. Max Willis will join us in just a moment. Uh, My other guest today is Nikita. Nikita is uh, relatively new to Vitality Radio. I met her, I think, about two-ish years ago. We talked all about medicinal mushrooms back then. And what I found was that, A, also passionate about this stuff, and B, actually knew a few things uh, that uh, I thought you should know. So I've invited her back a few times now. Just two weeks ago, they were on talking about some really cool herbs that I I, I hesitate uh, to uh, try and describe them as new because they aren't new, uh, but newly discovered in terms of herbal medicine and some of the benefits. We talked about saffron. We talked about skeletium and a few others. And if you didn't hear that, go back and listen to that episode. It'll be uh, linked in the show description, as well as links to uh, some of these formulas and things that we're talking about today. But today is all about calm. It's all about Zen. It's all about, you know, how you feel when nothing's driving you crazy. Now, maybe you don't ever feel that way. And if you don't, then you really need this show. But uh, I find myself feeling quite calm and uh, zen-like from time to time. Uh, I won't tell you how often that is. It's not as often as it probably should be. Uh, but I, uh, I like to load my plate pretty high. And uh, that is because, like I said, with Max and Nikita, I just love what I do. I don't know how to say no to any of this stuff. So it's uh, thankfully, I love it. So it doesn't create a lot of stress. But if you're one, in, in all seriousness, if you're one who deals with issues of not feeling calm, of feeling overwhelmed, of feeling uh, on edge, anxious, stressed out, uh, having a hard time coping with some of the stressors in life. This show is for you. We're going to talk all about some herbs that have long, long, long histories of wonderful benefit when it comes to calming the central nervous system, uh, relaxing and helping you feel a little bit more chill. So I'm going to welcome to the show formally Nikita Austin and Max Willis. Welcome you both to Vitality Radio once again. Thank Thank you. you. It feels like I never left. You know? Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's almost so like weird. we just recorded another show five minutes ago, but nobody has to know that except for us. OK. All right. So let's jump into this. Uh, oh, and by the way, when this airs, I'm going to be in Switzerland. Oh. OK, I'm going to be in Switzerland, which is why we're doing two shows back to back. I will be feeling the calm in the Alps. Uh, if you're following me on Instagram and if you're not jump on Instagram. 
uh, at Vitality Radio, at Vitality Nutrition Bountiful. And you will see me communing with nature, talking about the beauty of the Edelweiss flower and many other things uh, as we're hiking through Switzerland, me and my sweetheart. And so, uh, yeah, just a little, you know, something to make you feel jealous. Uh, let's works. talk about passion flower. <laughs> let's talk about passion flower. What do you got wait, for wait, us? Wait, wait, wait. Hold what? on, Jared. Hold on. What? You're not going to take the limelight. Do you know where I'm going to be in two weeks? Arizona. No, I'm going to be in Budapest, <laughs> in Budapest Hungary. Really? I, yes, I'm going to be in the water, which Hungary is known for, that is full of minerals. It is. I will be soaking that up. Well, by myself, but still, I'll be <laughs> not with my sweetheart, but hey, it's all good. I just, you know, gonna zen out. So that's where, um, that's my background. I'm Hungarian as well. So I speak both of them English, obviously, but Hungarian fluently as well. So I will see you over in Europe, Jared. So. How many people know that there's a Buddha side of Budapest and a Pest side? I didn't know that until just recently. Yes. Yeah, we yeah, are Budapest, cool. but we are separated by the Danube River down yeah. the middle. So there's yeah. the Buddha side, which we consider the rich side. <laughs> and then the Pesh side, which is like the, I don't know, non-rich side, but it's still, they're both. I mean, you have to go to both. The parliament is incredible. That's on, on the Pesh side. But anyway, we'll it's do a on podcast on Hungary on one list, day. But not oh, this yeah. visit. Now, Max, you're always in Italy. Like every other week, it seems like you're over there in Italy. That's your jam. Uh, you got plans to go there anytime soon? That's a great segment. I may go in November. Um, I, See? I knew it. I was I was just <laughs> there, there this past uh, June, and I walked through the Botanical Gardens of Rome, and I saw my very first passion flower tree. Well, there you go. Now talk about a segue. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was a tree, Jared. I thought it was just kind of a beautiful flower that grew out of the ground, but I'd never seen one live before. And the size of it was much larger than I had imagined. Uh, but just, it looks like something alien-ish. Uh, but Interesting. When people think of calming and relaxation, you know, Buddha, Budapest, maybe that's a good place to go. Uh, but passion flower really leads the charge because it is known to help calm our anxiety and to de-stress us. And so it's been a natural remedy for stress and anxiety, and it works by interacting with neurotransmitters in the brain that are there to excite us and keep us active. And, and it helps us as an adaptogen unwind. And I think that's the key. Can we unwind? So many people that can't sleep at night, it's not necessarily because they can't produce enough melatonin, but their neurons are firing and their computer won't shut down. They're probably staring at their smartphone or their iPad in bed too, and that's a problem. But we've got to help our nerves relax. And this is what passion flower is known for. Well, it's it's interesting with passion flower because, you know, some of these herbs have names that kind of give it away a little bit, right? Um, there's one in particular that always comes to mind, horny goatweed. Uh, that's, that one's kind of a giveaway. That's on the to, money, that one. What people use that one for. But passion flower is an interesting one because it has been, uh, it has a history of being used as an aphrodisiac as well. Um, but primarily people use it as a, uh, you know, a calming uh, element. And as I was researching this one, and I actually got to give the nod to Jessica, my assistant, who uh, helps me with a lot of my research for the show. She sent me a couple of studies I'd never seen. And I'm curious if you guys have seen these. So we're going to I'm going to spring these on you. 
one thing that we know about passion flower that's really fascinating is it actually contains large amounts of, of GABA, which is uh, a brain neurotransmitter. It's known as an inhibitory trans, uh, neurotransmitter that calms overexcitement in the brain. I call it the brain's light switch. And Max, you were just saying you can't get the computer to shut off. Well, GABA is one of the things that our, our body makes to try and help that happen. But when there's high levels of stress, when we're a little over the top with our stress and our, our overwhelm and things like that, perhaps the body's not making enough GABA to do the job. And that's where passionflower can potentially help to supplement that. But in terms of studies, this was fascinating to me because I have a series on Vitality Radio called Prescribing Poisons, where I talk about drugs that are commonly prescribed that I think in many cases, do more harm than good. And again, again, I'm not your doctor, and I don't claim to be your doctor. This isn't medical advice. But there are some real issues with certain drugs, and one of those drugs that is very problematic, in my view, is benzodiazepines or benzos. They're highly addictive um, and have a variety of, of pretty gnarly side effects, but they're used for people for anxiety primarily, things like Xanax. Well, there are two human trials that uh, show the uh, sedative effects of passion flower to be the equivalent to that of benzodiazepine drugs. Now, I'd never seen these trials before, but that's a really, really fascinating thing. Now, of course, the impact in terms of, uh, I should say, the mechanism of how they behave is different than benzos. But in terms of the actual impact reported back from the participants of the study, they had a very equal result. Uh, have either of you heard that before? That was news to me. I hadn't. I'm glad you. Isn't that see, amazing? I, I told you you teach me something new every time, Jared. That's <laughs> it's fascinating. And, and it is because benzos are considered like really strong sedative drugs, right? I mean, you know, the, the, the Valium type properties and things like that. I found that really, really fascinating. And you know, Max, the last time uh, I interviewed you, you you said something that stuck in my head. And that is that, you know, we often talk about pharmaceuticals and we talk about these, you know, these the newer and greater and better and stronger pharmaceuticals coming out, many of which, uh, well, all of which start somehow with a natural starting place. In fact, many of the drugs that are on the market are just an herb that has been, uh, you know, the, the mechanism or the uh, uh, constituents of the herb have been have been altered or adjusted or changed or synthesized to then become a drug. Passionflower is such an amazing herb because it's super super safe and yet can be as effective as some of the strongest drugs in this uh, instance, which kind of blew my mind. It's fascinating, and you know, I always love the etymology or kind of the the reason why something is called what it is. And I think a lot of your listeners might appreciate this, but 16th century. Uh, missionaries that were in Central and South America found Passionflower. They named it after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ because there's three, it, they almost look like nails uh, that were used to, to crucify him. And it, that was, that's what it was named after. So I didn't actually know that. See, I didn't either. And now that you said that I was like envisioning the Passionflower itself. And I'm like, Oh, I can, I can see that it's a beautiful plant. I mean, the purples and the blues, you can't miss it when you see it, you know, but yeah, that's, well, wow, that's interesting. So, I mean, passion flower is it, funny. Like you said, horny goat weed. Oh, I have such a fun one for horny goat weed too. When I like talk about how that name came about, whether it's myth <laughs> mythology or real, I don't know. I, I just stick with it because it's so funny, but 
passion flower definitely, you know, can allude to aphrodisiac, but also in this case, we think definitely sleep and we think definitely stress. Um, those are the two main benefits I think about for myself, whether you're getting it in a tea format or whether you're getting it in a tincture or a capsule, right? You know, we sell it in, in Solaray. We have it in an extract. It's typically about 250 milligrams of the extract per the dosage. And then we have 100 milligrams of the whole part as well, right? Because that's the whole thing. Again, I, I mentioned even in our prior episode, we could be taking out from the root or from a leaf or from, you know, the seeds. It all depends where, but we have a good blend where we both have the extract and the whole aerial um, part of the plant as well to kind of, you know, give it a more well-rounded effect. Ultimately. Yeah, and, and I love uh, the extract of the passion flower for sure. That's typically what I recommend, or mm-hmm. uh, I often find passion flower to be um, a part of of other formulas. I actually use it in uh, a couple of my own formulas. My anxiety release, as well as my uh, vital sleep formulas, contain passion flowers. I'm just a big, big fan of this plant. There's a couple of other studies that I read that I thought were interesting. Uh, Now, these are animal trials with mice, but they found that uh, specific uh, extract of passion flower actually delayed uh, seizure onset and reduced the duration of seizures in mice, which gives a real good nod to the uh, nervous system uh, calming uh, impact of passion flower. Another study showed uh, it could be very effective in in a human study uh, because of its anti-inflammatory inflammatory effects specific to uh, neuralgia type pain, which I had never read before until I was studying for this segment. So there's some really interesting use with passion flower beyond just the calming effects um, that I'm becoming uh, more aware of. Right, Jared. And one more that kind of caught me as I was researching it was how it has a mild hypotensive or lower blood pressure effect. Mm-hmm. Um which could be beneficial, of course, with people with mild hypertension. Um, we're not sure if it has kind of a, a naturally occurring amount of potassium, which it seems like we're a society that's taking way too much sodium in, which of course increases blood pressure. And it's now reported that 98% of Americans are potassium deficient. And there's a disease state called hypokalemia or low potassium that's really plaguing our country. And it's leading to all sorts of problems uh, that people may not even know why they're facing, you know, fatigue or certain things. But lowering blood pressure is one thing that passionflower is known for. Not a lot of people know about it. Yeah, that actually, I think... Um... I may be wrong, but I think there are a couple of, uh, or, or sorry, there's a specific uh, old formula that's been around for years and years and years that I think Dr. Christopher originally produced um, that uh, made its way into your Solaray line way back in the day and also some of the other herb lines that patterned some of their formulas after Dr. Christopher's work that did contain passionflower specific to blood pressure, if I remember correctly. So some really, really interesting stuff there. Another thing that I read that I I had never seen, and again, I'll ask you if this is news to you or not, because I'm curious, but uh, there was a small study done, and I don't remember, I I didn't get it written down in my notes, but there was a small study done on children and adolescents with ADHD where passionflower was found to be just as effective as the drug uh, methylphenidate for controlling ADHD symptoms. How's that for crazy? I learned something new again, and that makes sense based, yeah, the the animal study you talked about with seizures, um, preventing those, that that really ties in there, so that makes sense. 
I was yeah. going to say, careful, Jared, that's going to sell out. Any parent that hears that one is like, <laughs> I Well, I was thinking about it for my own use. I keep my own squirrel brain from uh, bouncing around too much. But uh, <laughs> passion flower is a multi-tool. Uh, I guess that's really the thing to talk about here. There's a lot of different uh, uses. They've even used it uh, in, uh, there, there's some clinical studies uh, all the way back from 2002 uh, with helping people withdraw from opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, they found that it can help to soothe asthma symptoms in some people as well. So it's, it's a wide array of benefits that have been shown in clinical trials with passion flower, many of which up until this morning, when I was researching for this show, I had not seen before. So, uh, some really, really interesting stuff there. Uh, anything else to add on passion flower before we jump to the next one? I, think I just, only... oh. go ahead. Sorry, Max, I just jumped in there. The only thing I was going to say is sometimes we ask, like, are there any types of people that shouldn't take something, right, based on a medication they're on? Like, Mm -hmm. for example, one that always comes to my mind is if you are taking a birth control, you wouldn't want to take St. John's wort. They can contraindicate, things like that. If anyone is on a blood thinner, I would be mindful on that rate of taking passion flower as well. Um, because it increases the amount of time that blood needs to clot ultimately. Um, so it could make the effects of your blood thinning, blood thinning medications ultimately stronger and then increase your res- risk of bleeding. So I would just be mindful if you are in a blood thinner. doesn't mean you can't take it, but, you know, you, that's always one of those things that we say, well, consult your doctor if it's something that, you know, is problematic. But that was one thing that came for me, Max. What were you going to say? What you said was much more interesting than what I was going to say. I just love the Latin name of passion flower, passiflora incarnata, you know, of the flesh. And uh, it just, you know, we're, we're, we're physical beings here having an interesting worldly experience and we need things of the earth to calm us. And passion flower is at the top of my list for sure. So anyway, I'll end on that, Jared. Awesome. Let's talk about then one that I, you know, when we talked before, I talked about how, you know, 46 years in business at Vitality Nutrition, 50 years in business now with Solaray. You know, we go way back in this industry, uh, our two companies, and there were a lot less supplements on the market way back then. But one thing that we've had from day one at Vitality Nutrition on our shelf is something known as valerian root. Uh, as old school as old school gets, perhaps, um, if you're not familiar with it, we could open up a bottle and you could smell it and you would know it smells like your feet after a long day of basketball playing or uh, running the track. It's a stinky herb for sure. I'll just warn you in advance. And it really does smell kind of like dirty feet. Uh, but thankfully it is available in a capsule and you can just swallow it and you don't even have to hardly notice that after you open up the bottle. Uh, but valerian is powerful stuff, not just in its smell, but in its properties. And, um, it is again, an herb of calm. I would say it's most well known for, as a sleep aid, a natural sleep aid. And there has been this kind of urban legend or myth or whatever that valerian is, is the herbal equivalent of Valium, uh, not quite, (laughs) but uh, it does speak to the fact that it has these calming benefits and things like that. Uh, What can you tell us about the research and uh, evidence we have on valerian root? The one thing that's cool about going from passion flower to valerian is that the mechanism of action, right? The part of it that gives us the benefits is somewhat the same, ultimately working on increasing levels of GABA, right? So 
two herbs that can both be bash, both passion flower and valerian that can both be very beneficial for sleep can be both very beneficial for stress and mood as well because they both work by increasing levels of GABA, right? And that's kind of what we talked about before and how GABA is so important to kind of give us that calm, restful state in the body. So that's one thing that I like to pivot between them is that they do have, you know, the same mechanism of action, even though they can still give different benefits as well. Well, and, and valerian and passionflower are often found together in herbal mm -hmm. uh, combinations. And I think it is because they, they play well together with, you know, passionflower actually containing large amounts of GABA or GABA, depending on who you ask. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, valerian actually helping the body, to the brain to release more uh, GABA. So you have this really nice combination. And then one of the things that a lot of people probably don't know about uh, valerian and, and the next herb we'll talk about, we'll talk about this a lot, is uh, lemon balm, is its ability to actually inhibit the enzyme that tends to break down GABA and get it out of the brain. So valerian helps to not only help the brain release more GABA, but also maintain those GABA levels for a longer period of time. Uh, Max, I think you had something to add. No, my only comment, my earliest recollection when you were talking about one of the first herbs you remember selling, as a child flying to Italy, I was born in Rome and my mom would take us back and forth between the States and, and Rome. And she's a pharmacist. She would always say, Max, take your Valeriana, la Valeriana, you know, and mm -hmm. it, it always stuck to me as an herb that ties me to my mom and, and how she would help me sleep on the plane so I wouldn't, you know, destroy things as a little kid, you know, on a plane would do on a transcontinental flight. But uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that if you take about 600 milligrams one or two hours before retiring for bed, it's great to get you to sleep as even a melatonin alternative. It's that powerful. Or if you have some anxiety, and that's what we're talking about today, herbs that calm you, I think 120 to 200 milligrams three times throughout the day is the right dose to help relax you, but not put you to sleep. So uh, mm -hmm. just good to keep in mind that you can dose it up or down based on whether you want to sleep or just calm down. People usually look at, I think, valerian in comparison to Xanax when we think about the medication side of, you know, what would it be comparable to? Because it has a bit of that sedative effect. So, yeah, I mean, definitely, again, if you're just more sensitive to anything new, I would say take it on a time where either you're taking it before bed or if you are taking it during the day like you just recommended, I would take it on a day where you have a little bit more flexibility. Maybe you're at home on the weekend. Just always see how your body reacts to anything you never know. But ultimately, it has been known to have like mild sedative effects, which is great for insomnia. which can be really great for sleeping as well. But just wanted to preface that since you recommended the daytime dosage as well. Yeah, and of course, the lower dosage during the day is typically what people use, a little higher dosage at night. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Nikita, it's very much an individual thing. I've had people tell me they can take lots of valerian with no problem during the day. Other people, it does make them feel a little bit more drowsy and sleepy. So you mm -hmm. do need to experiment with that. Um, there was a study that I want to point out that... Uh, is uh, in my notes here. There was a double-blind uh, placebo-controlled study uh, in Sweden uh, with valerian for people who were experiencing uh, poor sleep, is how it's worded. So I don't know if that's full-blown insomnia, uh, but uh, disrupted sleep, I imagine. Of the study participants, 44% reported perfect sleep, while 89% reported improved sleep when taking valerian root, and in addition, no adverse effects were observed for this group. 
That's a huge couple of numbers. 44% perfect sleep. When was the last time you had a perfect night's sleep? Mine was not last night. I will say that. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I, I, uh, I used to sleep perfectly every single night. In the last five years or so of my life, sleep, sleep has been more of a challenge. In fact, I developed a formula for myself that I could also hope, hopefully sell to other people uh, for sleep. Uh, but I didn't include valerian in it because some people don't love how they feel on valerian and some people do. So it is one of those things you have to experiment with. But I don't think I've ever tried valerian. I'm going to admit to my listening audience that wow. one of the oldest, most tried and true herbs in the world, I don't think I've ever swallowed a capsule and I'm committing now to try some and see if it will help my sleep because I'm sleeping much better overall, but I still struggle some nights and maybe Valerian will come to the rescue. I'll, I'll report on that later. Well, Jared, you do sell like 20,000 products. So I do, um, I do. You know, I wouldn't I expect options. To every single one, but I mean, it's one of those <laughs> yeah, things. That one's been like... around a long time. I should have tried it by now. But you know what? I think sometimes if you don't, if you don't struggle with sleep, like in, on a, you know, regularly, like I don't struggle with sleep regularly. I do when I'm like stressed out or something. Okay, mm -hmm. sure. But I don't even think about buying Valerian to begin with or a melatonin B. It's just not even there with me. Usually when I just don't sleep, you just like, ah too late now, or maybe I grab magnesium. But unless you know that you definitely have an issue with sleeping, I don't even know if, you know, you would have tried valerian. So to your point, you know, I, I, I've tried it before. Um, I've also tried melatonin before and things like that. And melatonin for me personally does make me feel drowsy. Valerian was a milder effect. It wasn't as, you know, intense for me as, as melatonin was, but I did like it. I think the, the reason I tried it personally is because I have, I still have always struggled with severe menstrual cramps, like very, very bad. I mean, the doctors would recommend me oxy to, you know, anything they'd give me to, for my pains. And some of the, the herbs and one of them maybe we'll, we'll branch into one time is called Corydalis that I've always loved. That was really good. It was kind of like valerian in that aspect that it gave me that sedative feeling. And when you're in that much pain, you just want to go to sleep. You know, you're just at that point, you don't, it's not like I need to function or do anything else. And so valerian, I had tried it in that instance and it did, it helps me get into a more, well, I wouldn't say more restful sleep. I would just say help me get to sleep ultimately, you know, much quicker because it's during the day I'm trying to go to sleep because I'm in so much pain. So yeah, valerian, I mean, it, it'd be the closest thing I think to a, a melatonin alternative without giving your body sort of this, you know, hormone, but can still really help your body get to sleep. So, I mean, I love valerian for that. Again, I think cats like it too. Don't cats play with valerian? Isn't it catnip and valerian that I think I see more often than not? I know catnip. I don't know if they play with catnip. valerian or not. I, I, I'm not a, one. I don't have any cats. <laughs> I don't either. So I don't know anything any about cats. Cat listeners are there. You just let us know if your cats like valerian. I feel like that's a thing. Who knows? We'll look it up. So, There's a standard yeah, so. common name for valerian that that has, I think it's cat calm or something weird like that. So it's interesting you say Oh, really? That. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. There you go. Maybe that's where I thought of it. Valerian's also been used as a as a for for people with muscle cramps. Uh, we generally, I think, the three of us would always recommend magnesium as maybe a first line of defense against that. But it does seem to be mm -hmm. an antispasmodic and calm down the the muscle tissue. Um, one, uh, it also there are is some research, just like what you said with passionflower max, that shows that it may help to reduce blood pressure uh, in some people. So there's a lot of different things that that uh, valerian can be used for. And uh, really, in all seriousness, I'm going to give it a shot. And Max, you brought up the transcontinental flight. I'm taking one tomorrow at 9 p.m. Sure. So I'm going to take some valerian. 
Uh, I've, I've got my melatonin to help me get reset with the, with the uh, jet lag and time zones and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to give some Valerian a shot on the plane. So uh, this will be exciting. I'll let you know how it works. And Jared, two more, please. And I'm sure this is already in your little uh, travel bag, but you're going to want some horse chest out of Cola, which we talked about previously mm-hmm. for, you know, a lot of people take a baby aspirin for blood flow. Now we see these compression socks on these airplanes and, you know, just to avoid, prevent that swelling. So take those with you and then maybe a little bit of rhodiola to help you overcome jet lags. You can enjoy the Swiss mountains and, it, and you live at a high enough climate here in Utah, but you're probably going to be even higher up in the Alps. So take some uh, yeah, rhodiola along. Yeah, We're staying uh, for at least one night at the highest hotel in all of Europe, a little over 7,000 feet. So that should be interesting. Okay, then hold on. You need something <laughs> like beetroot, any allergenic, oh, right? <laughs> trust me, I'm going to have so much nitric oxide flowing okay, through good. my veins. That's not going to be an issue. <laughs> and uh, I already have thought about that. But uh, curious, I mean, well, let's just riff on this for a minute. Not okay. Uh, Natto uh, is not, not, it's not okay, but not okay. Uh, Natto kinase uh, was, uh, is in my bag for the purposes of blood flow. Um, I'm curious, horse chet, chestnut, Natto, what would you recommend? What do you think? They both have that similar action in terms of being a proteolytic, let's say, breaking mm-hmm. down fibrin in blood, and that's kind of how they thin you out. Mm-hmm. I think Natto, um, probably has a little more of a therapeutic effect where horse mm-hmm. chestnut could be taken more regularly for venous insufficiency. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll play with it. It'll be interesting. I've been uh, to Europe a few times. I've never taken um, anything for the purposes of blood flow or, you know, prevention of, of swelling. I do get up at least every hour, you know, walk up and down the aisle, that kind of thing. Uh, sleeping on a plane for me is a near impossibility. We're going to see if we can figure it out this time. Maybe if you I know, take half a bottle of Valerian, we'll get there. Jared, Nikita? we could do a segment on supplements to take while traveling. We you should know? do that. Yes. I think that'd yes. be great. Even ginger. Like if you're having nausea, depending on if you're going on yeah, a Yeah, I'll certainly or, have ginger in my bag. For you know, sure. activated yes. charcoal. Or, you know, if you eat something that sets you off, just depending on where you're going, right? But yep. yeah, I think that could be its whole And whole Jared, segment. I'm going to now give you the most beautiful segment because I think you're going to talk about the next herb called holy basil. But as we travel around the world, we find passion flower in Central and South America. We'll find valerian in Greece and Rome. And now let's go a little further east and talk about Tulsi. Did I do yes. okay? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. Okay, good. So I uh, teased this show at the end of the last show uh, that we uh, we aired two weeks ago. And uh, I talked about herbs with, you know, 5,000 plus years of use. And I don't know. It's, it's a toss up for me. Traditional Chinese medicine versus Ayurvedic medicine. We're talking about thousands of years of proven effects. Uh, efficacious use of these beautiful God-given herbs that we have here on this earth for us. And holy basil has a really interesting first name, right? Holy. Uh, What do we know about holy basil and why is it considered holy in India? Nikita? Oh, sorry. I, you had started the segment out so great. I was like, this is all Max. And Max, you were the one who was just in India. So I thought he was there in uh, February. So I thought, okay. I mean, holy basil is 
it's funny. I was trying to find something um, to help remember it. And I was like, Max, kind of help me. What can I think of? And he's like, Holy Basilica. Remember? You told me that. And I was like, what? Uh, I don't know. But regardless, Holy Basil, a lot of uh, traditional traditional use, of course, which Jared, you said you love. So you're right up the alley here for Holy Basil. Um, definitely, it's an Ayurvedic, you know, when we think about Ayurvedic medicine, which most things that come from India often have that kind of benefit as well. But I really think of holy basil and I think of it as an adaptogen. That's sort of its first line of, of benefit for me is, you know, stressed out. And so sometimes I like, I do this one with the shiitake mushrooms as well. I'm like, okay, my shiitake mushroom is for stress. How do I remember that? When I'm like, holy shiitake mushrooms, like when I'm in that state of stress that the bad words are coming out, we know that we got to go to shiitake. I kind of took that here for the holy basil as well. Um, when I'm like, holy crap, you know, you're getting a stressful state. This is a great one to take for that. It's an adaptogen. Um, has a ton of other benefits besides that as well, though. I have things written down like antioxidant rich, which is common for most of the things that we take. More often than not, a lot of herbs are potent in antioxidants. They're potent in anti-inflammatories, you know, depending on which one. Obviously, more concentrated immune support benefits. Um, but really for me, I lean more often than not for this as a great blend for going again, back to calm, to mood and to stress. Do you have another preference that you like to, do you like it for either Max or Jared? In terms of the, thank you, Nikita, that's perfect. Um, I was in India in February and I got the great privilege to have my eyes opened to a whole new world and culture of Hinduism. And there's a Hindu goddess called Lakshmi, I believe. And when this goddess would present herself, um, there's a tie to holy basil there. And, and they named, they gave it the name because of this manifestation. I don't know if it's because they were so calm, they were having visions or what, Jared, but there's a tie there to a sacred worship in Hinduism with holy basil and Tulsi. Yeah, there's actually a few different tie-ins here that I find interesting, and I hadn't read about this for a while. I did a I did a pretty good uh, portion of a show, probably six or seven years ago, on holy basil, and I remember that there really was a a reason why it was was called holy, and it's also known as Tulsi. So if you've seen Tulsi tea, uh, that's just another another name for the same herb. But in Ayurvedic medicine, um, holy basil is considered. Uh, the best herb to awaken the crown chakra, which is believed to be the way that we communicate with God. And so holy basil actually has some really interesting traditional use, and uh, it also is um, a symbol of fidelity, and uh, it's supposed to be helpful overall in attaining spiritual enlightenment. So those are kind of the old traditional uses, uh, more on the energetic side of the herb. But on the, uh, you know, the physical side of the herb and what it does, it is considered one of the most universal, I think, herbs of calm, like this whole, this whole uh, conversation is about. Uh, people use it uh, as a sleep aid. People use it during the day for stress and anxiety. Uh, it is often paired with other herbs. Uh, uh, in fact, the one that I probably see it paired with the most is ashwagandha, another amazing Ayurvedic herb, uh, both of which have quite different properties but end up playing very, very well together. Um, what else do, you, do uh, you have to offer on uh, holy basil, Max? Any other insights for us? You know, Jared, when uh, CBD became the thing a few years ago in the industry, um, we were, of course, investigating the endocannabinoids that, uh, you know, hemp offers. 
but we knew that there were endocannabinoids or phytocannabinoids, sorry, endocannabinoids are ones you make like anatomy, but I meant to mm -hmm. say phyto meaning from plant phytocannabinoids that come from other plants like passion flower has phytocannabinoids and so does Tulsi. And so it, it's a natural way to, to receive those same kind of receptor signals that we would get from kind of a hemp to help calm us down. And so it's kind of relatable. And I'm not sure exactly which ones they are. I'm sure they have their own unique marker. But I remember attending a lecture and hearing, I think it was uh, Roy Upton, who's the founder of the American Herbal Pharmacopeia. And he's a big fan of Tulsi. And he was with me in India. And we found many different plants. And we had the opportunity to discuss holy basil and the compounds that really have a calming effect on the nervous system on that axis, uh, the gut-brain axis, and potentially those cannabinoids from holy basil that help reduce stress and anxiety. So always learn a lot from him and, and you, and it's, it's, it's a fun adventure here in this, in this plant world. <laughs> it is indeed. And one more thing on holy basil, I'll, I'll close it out with this because we've got at least one more herb we want to talk about. Uh, in the, uh, what is known as the uh, chakra samhita, Hopefully I'm saying that right in, in Ayurveda, which is the consummate text of Ayurvedic medicine written about 1000 BC. Holy basil is described as the incomparable one. Hmm. That's a pretty awesome, that's high praise, right? The incomparable uh, herb, nothing like it uh, in the world. So pretty beautiful stuff. Uh, highly encourage you to dig around a little bit more and research uh, Tulsi and holy basil on your own. It's a truly fascinating herb and, and we could spend a lot more time uh, talking about it and some of the studies that have been done, done on it as well. But let's go ahead and move on because we are getting a little bit short on time here to one of my very most favorite herbs. It's one I have talked about on Vitality Radio in little bits and pieces here and there, but maybe haven't done a full deep dive into. And it's one that I believe needs to be understood much, much better than it is, and that is lemon balm. Now, lemon balm, I got excited about when I first discovered years ago, I was researching L-theanine and GABA. And of course, we've talked about GABA quite a bit here. We've talked about how valerian helps to keep GABA cycling in the brain longer and helps promote GABA production. We've talked about GABA, uh, the, the content uh, of GABA in passionflower as well. So here's another thing that acts on GABA. But this is the first one I ever read about that specifically inhibited that enzyme that breaks down GABA. And so our body is this really you know, beautiful uh, chemistry lab and things are happening all the time. Something, one thing's turning something on, another thing is turning something off. And with GABA, it's no different. In fact, that's what happens with neurotransmitters and hormones uh, around the entire body. There are certain signals that would help your body or, or encourage your body to promote and produce GABA. And then there's another signal and an enzyme that's released that helps your body to break down GABA so that we don't get too much. Because, of course, health and nutrition and, and proper function is all based on balance. And so the problem is that sometimes, like if everything's in kind of a homeostatic state and the body's performing well and everything's good and we're not super stressed out, then we're going to make enough GABA to take care of focus and, 
and uh, the things that we need to when we need GABA to help calm the mind so we can sleep and things like that. And then our body's going to break it down. But when we're in, a, we're in a state that many of us find ourselves in of more of a constant stressed state because job pressures, family pressures, financial pressures. Maybe you accidentally watched CNN one night and you know couldn't sleep for a month, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, or maybe you lived through this thing called uh, the pandemic. Maybe that happened to you. A lot of stressors in life nowadays, which is why, of course, we're doing a show called Herbs of Calm. But GABA, my understanding of GABA that I think is so fascinating, what really turned me on to lemon balm was that it could actually help to keep GABA cycling in the brain for a longer period of time, help us to maintain more of a, a, a calm state for an extended period of time in ways that are... Um, very, very different than anything else that I'd seen at that point and without being sedative in nature like valerian is. You can take it during the day and you don't feel like you need to have a nap. I was researching theanine here, and I will bring you guys back in, I promise. Uh, but I was researching theanine, which helps the body to make more GABA and helps to increase your body's ability to, uh, to put you into uh, more of a... Uh, uh, state of alpha brainwaves like you would get to if you were in a state of meditation. And so I love this whole theanine thing. It makes perfect sense. And then as I was researching, okay, so should I put, should I recommend GABA or should I recommend theanine? And I found out that GABA actually has a real struggle crossing the blood-brain barrier in most cases. And so we don't often get it where we need it to be. And so I thought, okay, so I think theanine's the champion here, and that's where I, what I've stuck with. I'm a huge believer in theanine. But when I started recommending theanine with lemon balm, I started seeing, like, next-level results for people trying to calm their mind, help with focus, particularly in people that have brains that are a little bit more all over the place like mine. I'll say ADD, ADHD. I don't necessarily believe in that diagnosis. That's another story for another day. But the kind of brain that would be considered a squirrel brain uh, like mine, lemon balm and theanine, mm, the most perfect of combinations. I absolutely love it. So let's talk a little bit more about lemon balm. Well, first, I want to try that combination. It's Two, amazing. I want to make that combination. <laughs> so maybe we'll make one, Max. All right. I'm taking That's notes the... here. I'm like, Jared's idea right here. We need it in Solaray. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. That's the fun part of our jobs is we get to go, yeah, let's create a product. Let's, you know, what do we want to make? Um and that's a great way to go. So yeah, lemon balm also, like you stated, works with GABA. And that's what some of these, you know, all have in common ultimately is that they can help with GABA in the body. Um, another thing that I had notated too is that it helps with reducing cortisol levels, right? And we kind of think about how we talked about GABA with, you know, or not GABA, excuse me, but um, in this case, the lemon balm also helping with stress on the body and cortisol levels we associate when we think about stress ultimately. So um, in different clinical studies that I had, had pulled up here too, it can boost uh, alertness and concentration, improve learning and memory, but ultimately decreasing anxiety by reducing the cortisol levels. So the cortisol is actually tied to the anxiety state here, um, and it's helping reduce that in the body. So that's, you know, a big piece of the lemon balm. I think ultimately, I think of it a lot of times in, in you know, teas and in different tinctures also. But um, that's that's the main thing for me is really the, the calming aspect overall with the cortisol. Max? That's great. One of the things that I worry about, Jared, is we're losing touch with what Native Americans used, you know, to 
to treat things naturally or ancient cultures. You know, there's well-documented things in Ayurvedic medicine. We've been talking about holy basil, ashwagandha and other things. Lemon bulb is one of those that it's, it was used 300 years BC. It was used by the Romans. It was cultivated in Northern Africa and it was known as bee leaf. And the Latin name is Melissa officinalis, but Melissa comes from a Latin name or Greek name, which refers to bees, uh, Militeon. And miele is honey in, in at least Italian. I don't know what it is in Latin. But I find it fascinating because if you put lemon balm and it looks like mint. I love to go on herb walks and even throughout the Wasatch Front, I'll go up in the mountains. Uh, this was something that was taught to me from the founders of Solaray to do. It looks like mint, but if you squeeze it and smell it, it has a very lemony scent. And if you, they say that if you keep lemon balm by a beehive, the bees will never abandon the hive. They will always stay around there. They love the, the flowering aspects of it. Um, and for every reason you guys have said, again, eases restlessness, promotes more restful sleep. I just believe that in this beautiful marble that we live on called Earth, that there's a reason why we have sedative uh medicinals in certain parts of the world in all parts of the world we have uh herbs that we've talked about a week ago that help excite you or, or wake you up and give you energy and and they're all over us for a reason we need to discover them and, and use them um and and they're safe that's the thing about supplements jared there are no reported deaths on any use of supplements that tie directly to a supplement that I know of, not one, even yeah, when ever. they went after ephedra, uh, they thought it was the ephedra. Okay. You take a baseball player in the middle of summer and he's on all these other things and you blame it on the herb. It's, it's right. just safe. They're effective and they're the root of medicine. And that's why I get so passionate about this subject because it works and you get to connect with customers more than most people I know. And you get to help them on their health journey on finding solutions that work and that have no side effects and that are natural. Does it get better than that? So anyway, it's, it's amazing. And, you know, again, we can riff on this for just a minute because this is something I've brought up many times, you know, they call the United States of America a melting pot, right? I mean, we have a Hungarian on the podcast with us today and an Italian, right? I mean, kind of an Italian, right? You were born there. Uh, and then we got a kid from Utah who's not a kid anymore. Um, but regardless, what's interesting is America, we're, they're coming from all over the place, right? Neil Diamond said it best. They're coming to America. You remember that? <laughs> I love Neil Diamond. All right. And from all over the place. And yet we have people from India here. We have people from all parts of Asia here. We have people from Africa here and Hungary and Europe and all these different places where we have all these traditional uses of all these amazing herbs, in particular tonic herbs. I talk about that a lot. You know, in Asia, there's a lot of ginseng, uses of ginseng and green tea and things like that. And then we have the things like holy basil and ashwagandha and turmeric over in India and many, many other things. And even here in America, the Native Americans were using these herbs, uh, not just in, in tonic fashion on a daily basis, but as, as you know, medicines for acute conditions they were dealing with. And it seems to me that we've kind of lost that amazing 
uh, history, sh uh, shared history, like we should have come together and said, let's pool our resources and figure out herbs from all over the world. And instead, we're like, nah, let's just use pharmaceuticals. <laughs> and it's like, come on, people. Maybe not. Maybe don't jump to pharmaceuticals just quite so soon. Let's pay attention to the wisdom of those who passed before us and left such amazing herbal knowledge for us. Now we have no excuse because we can look all this stuff up. We have podcasts. We have, uh, you know, the Internet as uh, it's, you know, not all black and white. The Internet comes with some downsides for sure, but some amazing research available on this stuff. And there are herbs like lemon balm that most people have never even considered using that can be true game changers. You know, going back to the whole ADD, ADHD uh, thing, there, uh, as they pooled some of the studies and looked at comparative studies that have been done on lemon balm specifically, these are the, some of the results that they took from these various studies that I was reading. It helps to improve hyperactivity, concentration problems, and impulsiveness in elementary school children uh, taken internally in food products. They were actually cooking it into food. Uh, it seemed to enhance mood and or cognitive performance uh, as demonstrated in studies involving young adults as well. It also has the potential to improve problem solving, math skills, concentration, and alertness according to these various studies with an herb that is not a central nervous system stimulant. It's not uh, an amphetamine like uh, Ritalin and Adderall and things like that are. This is an herb that has thousands of years of safe use and can be paired beautifully, again, with things like L-theanine uh, or possibly valerian. There's some really excellent research on valerian with passion flower, valerian with lemon balm uh, as a team for insomnia as well. So when we talk about all these herbs of calm, because we just have a, a few minutes left, when we talk about these herbs of calm or herbs in general, there's a couple of things that I'd like to recommend. And again, this is important to understand and, and you'll hear the disclaimer at the end of the show. None of us are doctors, and this isn't an, uh, medical advice that we're offering. What this is is information and education that we hope that you can use to be a better consumer of supplements and a better steward of your own health and well-being. So when we talk about these things, it's not uh, us prescribing things for sleep or blood pressure or whatever else. It's just us sharing what the research indicates may be beneficial with these things. And one of the reasons that I know I can speak uh, very confidently for the three of us in this, one of the reasons we love this stuff is what Max just said. The stuff is safe. Yes, can you take a thing, can you take an herb that you don't like the way you feel on it? Absolutely. I mentioned there are a lot of people that don't like how they feel on valerian root, but there are plenty of people that absolutely love it and swear by it. And not liking how you feel for an hour or two after taking an herb is one thing, but we're not talking about these massive addictive properties like we have with things like opiates and benzos and sleep aids like uh, what's the one that people uh, sleep drive with? Ambien. Uh, Ambien. Right? Things like that. So. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're not talking these heavy, nasty, gnarly side effects. We're talking about things that can be generally used very, very safely. Sure, you can consult your, your doctor, your pharmacist uh, about interactions and things like that, and we would encourage you to do that. But you can experiment. You can mix and match. And in many cases, these herbs in conjunction with each other, such as valerian and passionflower, will be greater than the sum of its parts, right? And the same thing could be 
said about, like I say, L-theanine and, and lemon balm, one of my favorite combinations ever. So my last take on it before I, I uh, let you two speak again is simply be willing to do a little bit of research. You don't have to take our word for it. There are many other resources that you can dig into on these topics. Do a little research. Be willing to experiment and try some things out and let your body be the judge of what you love uh, once you have the opportunity to try these things. Uh, mix and match a little bit. Play around with it and pay attention to how your body feels because that is the ultimate uh, guide that we have. And I would even say pay attention to how you feel about taking the herb. If you've heard this and one of these herbs has sparked your interest and just seems to resonate with you, don't ignore that. We tend to ignore our intuitive instinct when it comes to taking care of our health as we've wanted to pass that over to an expert. You are the expert of your own health. Don't forget that. Max and Akita, either of you have anything else you'd like to offer? Well, I love that. And I think, you know, it's important is obviously consistency is key. That's always going to be it when we talk about health, whether that's working out, whether that's taking a supplement, you know, and a lot of times people will say, well, how quickly can you feel something? Well, it depends which one we're talking about. Some of them, like we recommended, you could feel instantly. And some of them you'll take the 30 day supply to really get that into the body and really get the effects. So don't, don't quit quickly. For example, if you don't get the immediate effects, sometimes things take a minute to to get into the body, but it's natural. And at minimum, there are so many other benefits than what we even covered, right? We really took a lot of these and focused them around calm and around anxiety, stress and mood, but there's even digestive benefits. There's even immune benefits. So there's always something I think that you can benefit from any of these products, even if it's not that specifically. And one, one thing I just want to mention coming from one of the issues that I deal with personally is an eating disorder. And it's not the kind where I make, I don't, it's not uh, bulimia. I'm not forcing myself to vomit. I am not trying to be skinny. I just lack appetite a lot of the time. And so many times when I'm in a stressful state, I cannot eat at all. It completely shuts off in my body. So when you think, I mentioned this because I go, even when you think about any of these, as I say, oh, they're calming for the body. Well, you might be like, well, I don't have stress or anxiety necessarily as my thing. Well, digestion, you know, that moment where we say, just take a breath, breathe. And you do that and your, your stomach relaxes, your body relaxes. There's a full synergistic effect that's beneficial past just thinking of stress when we think about calming. And I have taken a lot of things that are for calming that were actually to calm my stomach and to calm, you know, my body to help my digestion to really flow properly in order to help me just to eat and have an appetite. So it's the point kind of goes to you. Research, there's so many possibilities in these products, even beyond what we discussed ultimately, you know, and anything that Jared brings in, we know right away, you're going to vet these products to make sure that they're clean, to make sure that, you know, they have qualifications, whether it's non-GMO or kosher, depending on what we're looking at. Um, and so, you know, I feel confident too, that if we purchase something, you know, from you, that it's, it's clean and it is what it states that it is, right? The herb is going to be the part that it is. It's going to be the type that it is. So that's really my closing part. Yeah. Thank you. And I, and I know we're out of time. I just want to remind everyone that dietary supplements are not drugs, they're food. And the first doctor, Hippocrates, said, let food be your medicine. And if we take that approach of nourishing ourselves, which doctors, by the way, America is so reliant on their doctors. Doctors know how to identify most disease and treat disease. We're talking about prevention. We're talking about nutrition. And yes, 
there is there are active principles and supplements and food that help you mitigate problems even after they happen and whether it's high blood pressure cholesterol or fatigue calming anything they are in nature and we have them to our disposition we just have to research them as jared said and my father and brother who are mds and do's have told me to my face nine out of ten office visits are unnecessary these are doctors talking okay yeah if people just spend a little time researching and now patients are coming in having done research they're asking doctors questions and doctors really don't know how to answer a lot of these when it comes to herbs and vitamins so we need to take control of our health as jared just said it's our responsibility it's our body the knowledge is out there it's been used for thousands of years in many cultures we just have lost it why because there's a whole money machine around patenting active ingredients that's what drug companies do it's the drug companies that educate doctors today that's where they get their continuing medical education credits it's from the drug companies it's not from food or nutrition so there's no incentive there and so we've got to look at all of that and do what's best for our health so thank you jared for having us and for continuing to promote knowledge in this field well absolutely and i could not agree more with what you just said uh people have heard me rant about that a lot uh there are some issues with the system i believe it is largely broken it can save your life uh, in some cases, and I want it there for that, but uh, most of what we're doing with medicine is unnecessary and in many cases harmful. So let's take control of our own health. Let's take control of our own education. Let's figure this out for ourselves. I believe we can all live a vital life, and that is why we do Vitality Radio. Max and Nikita, thank you so much. We are way over time, so I'm going to wrap it up right now by saying I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.